Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I didn't know that following Jesus could be fun. I didn't know that following Jesus could expose you to the vibrancy, the colors of life. I didn't know that following Jesus, you could see heaven here on earth, but under their teaching, under their mantle, Joy and I have seen it time and time again. So thank you, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. You guys are amazing. And um, I can't get into this yet. Young man over here in the red shirt. God's resurrecting something in you. I, I saw you in worship, and God showed me he's resurrecting life in you. He is resurrecting passion in you, that he has put talents and capabilities in you that you felt like this is such a waste, but it's not going to be wasted. It's going to produce fruit and beauty in life, that he has called you to produce a, like a tapestry of beauty in life that's going to impact everyone around you. Let's all stretch out our hands. Lord, I thank you for this mighty man. Lord, I bless him in your name, in the name of Jesus, that the awakening of your call in his life is coming alive, that he gets to discover what's that mean, and he gets to see you through the process. I thank you that your hand and favor is upon him, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right. Worship team, you guys are dismissed. Thank you. Amazing worship. Let's give him a hand. You guys, go ahead and take a seat. I do want us to uh, all say a prayer together, though, before I get into this. So everyone repeat after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to speak to me this morning, to awaken a resurrection life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. You guys are ready. You guys are ready for something new today, right? Where today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, and there was, there was a shouts of Hosanna. It was an, an excitement in, around what was about to happen. The Savior was coming to the city. There's all this expectation of what was about to happen, and it didn't go the way that people expected it to, Right? But before I go into that, it is an honor to speak in Holy Week and to, and to talk about the goodness of Jesus in our life, the goodness of Jesus and how he's impacted my life, and I know he's going to impact every single one of your lives. And we're going to uncover that more here in a little bit. But first, I'm going to go to Numbers chapter 25. And there are good things in Numbers. Like, there are good things in the Old Testament that God can speak to us through things that might seem violent or don't make sense. And I'll, I'll show you that here in a second. But I want to set the scene. Because I, I could have read the whole chapter, but I think it's more fun to set the scene. So here I am. So background. Israel was going on the way to the promised land, and they set up camp in the plains of Moab in a place called Shittim, right? And in this place of Shittim, um, the Moabites and the Midianites were sitting there, and they were like, hey, we need to curse them. We need to 
God to be on our side, not their size side. So they went into this uh, man named Balaam, and he's like, hey, can you curse them for us? We'll give you houses of gold. And Balaam's like, sorry, can't. God told me no. He blesses them three times, gets in a fight with his donkey. Donkey argues with them, right? Some crazy things. It's in the Bible. There's a lot of things about donkeys in the Bible. But in this plane, the plane of Shaitim, the men of Israel, the leaders of Israel, they started intermingling with the women of the Moabites and the Midianites. And then this, because of who they were surrounding themselves with, who had influence in their lives, they started sacrificing to their gods. They started eating with and bowing down to the the gods of the Moabites. And um, it even says that Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, which angered the Lord. So much so that he started a, a plague among the people. And then he told Moses to execute every man who bowed down to the ball. And so it's kind of like an intense start of this chapter. But before I go any further, let's take inventory of our life. If you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, I, I feel like my, where I'm living, where I'm camping, is more like Shittim, not Shatim. Right? Like, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm in a place that's a pile of shit. I'm not Shatim. What's going on? Look at who has influence in your life. Who's speaking into your life? Who, who is, like, pouring in and saying, hey, you should bow down to this. This should be what's, what guides you, what leads you. Or is it God that's guiding and leading you? Yeah, sorry, pastors. I, I, like, I like when people laugh. I can't help it. All right, Numbers 25, verse 6 through 9 in the NLT. It says this, Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent. I wonder why. Right before the eyes of Moses and all the people, as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle, when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear, rushed after the man in the tent. Then Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body into the woman's stomach so that the plague of Israel was stopped, not before 24,000 people died. All right. I did this last service. I have to do this again. You do not have permission to cause physical harm, right? This message is not about causing physical harm. All right, now that caveat's gone, I can move on. So in this situation, here was Israel. You had the whole congregation. There were 600,000 men at this time. So there's a million people plus here, and they're weeping before God, saying, we're dying, we're being executed, we apologize, we repent before you. And then a single leader of the house of Benjamin walks through, bringing this woman, and he's like, I know you guys are who you guys bow down to, but I'm bowing down to my own lust. I'm bowing down to what I want. I don't care about him. I don't care about what God says in his word. And so he takes this woman into his tent. And then, you know, Phinehas had the last word. Something like that. And he um, stood up and he said, this is enough. You will not dishonor my God. You will not disrespect my God in this way. And then I want to pick up in verse 10. In the ESV version. And then the Lord said to Moses, 
Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel with my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants, and after him that covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. I loved that line, jealous with my jealousy. And I was like, I want God to say that about me. I want God to be in heaven and say, Jake is jealous with my jealousy. That Jake, what is important to me, Jake has took and made important to him. And this line, this jealous with my jealousy, kept on going in my mind throughout the day, throughout the weeks. And so I would read it in different versions. Some versions it would say zealous. And I was like, I I really want to dive even deeper and look into the Hebrew behind this word because I, I wasn't satisfied with the word zealous. I wasn't satisfied. I was like, there's more to it. And as I looked into the Hebrew, there's actually two words for jealous that are used in the Hebrew. The first one is kanah. It has two ends, and it's your typical jealousy. It's your typical, like, it means envy. And there's, a, like, emotion that can be, like, rage behind it. But the word used in this particular chapter, chapter was kanah. One N, and it means the zealous. But even more than zealous, it uses the word impassion. And I started looking up the word impassion because I've heard of impassionate, which is a lack of passion. So I was like, this doesn't make sense, zealous and impassion. And I started diving into that word, and it's to arouse a passion inside. It's he awoke a passion inside. So he saw what God was passionate about, and he went inside, and he says, I'm going to awake the passion of my God for me. And he took action. He actually said, I will not be passive anymore. I will not let apathy run in my family line because Aaron wasn't doing anything. Eleazar wasn't doing anything. And he says, no, I must stand. I will not be passive. My house will not be passive. Our church has this spirit on us. Our church is not a church of passivity. Our church is not a church of apathy. We stand up. We go after the word of God. We go after what God is asking us to. And there's blessing when we do that. In this chapter, when um, he stood up and he did these things, three things happened. One, he stopped the deadly plague. In its tract, 24,000 people are dying, stopped. Then it started a covenant of peace. This covenant of peace lasted. So the whole time in the desert, there was disease, there were serpents, there was more disease. Israelites were dying left and right. There was punishment after punishment. There was like, from God, right, because of disobedience. And then Phinehas stood up. And then there was peace into the promised land. They didn't face another um, disease, another, any more serpents, nothing like that. Because he started a covenant of peace because one man stood up. And he also had a generational blessing through his family line with the covenant of priesthood. I love that standing up in passion, can, like one act, one man can cause this. Like our church did this during covid Right? We stood up and we said, no more. We will not allow this to go on. And as we stood up, we started seeing, oh, wait, COVID isn't as bad as we thought it was, right? Oh, wait, we start, you know, actually, there was some lies in here. 
the truth starts getting revealed, one church stands up. But how many of you guys went to Emerge? Everybody raise a hand. All right, good amount of you guys. For those who didn't go to Emerge, um, you guys can go, go to like Awaken Media Pass, download the messages, highly recommend it. But Pastor Tracy Armstrong preached an incredible message that we are uh, not called to be mere men. We are not called to be ordinary, but we're called to live extraordinary lives. And that that extraordinary life is a life full of passion going after what God has put in front of you. It's a life that says, you know what, I will refuse to bow down to what the world is saying, and I know what my calling is, and I will be relentless to it. And I want to, before I go too much further, I don't know, the title's already up there, but I wanna, the title of my message is An Impassioned Life. And um, what I really want to impart today is a part, that awakening of passion, the awakening of passion of going after what God has for us. But before we get into that, I want to talk about what passion is, what the passion that we're supposed to awaken within, because this isn't a this isn't an emotion. This isn't a feeling. This isn't a one-time, oh, oh, it's a high. It's not an event lifestyle. It's like a merge isn't just for one weekend. It's for an entire year. It's, this isn't a, like a one weekend, only on Sundays type of attitude. This is a lifestyle. It's a deep devotion. Uh, being, having passion is about being consistent. It's about finishing a process. Emotion will start a process and leave it unfinished. But passion will walk all the way through the completion. Passion overcomes. Passion is persistency. Passion is what leads to productivity. Passion is being relentless. And this isn't a prophecy for you guys, but you will fail and fall at times. And how you respond to that is determined by what you're passionate about. Because if you're passionate about moving forward, you'll stomp your fist into the ground and get back up. You refuse to stay down. You need passion to accomplish the task at hand. But passion can be done incorrectly. Like you can have wrong, th wrong things to be passionate about. The Pharisees were passionate about their rules and they killed Jesus. Let that sink in. It's not about just having passion, not about just awakening the passion, but it's about having passion for the right thing. And I'll tell you what that is, right? In Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24, it says this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I, de I delight, declares the Lord. Our passion should be about getting to see and know God, about experiencing him in our lives. Our, it's, and this is like an experiential knowledge. So when I say getting to know God, where's Jesse at? Jesse Houston, where'd you go? Oh, you went to kids, okay. Sherry, Sherry's here. So Sherry got to see it. So Sherry got to experience God in her life as saying, I see you. 
I see the $1.61 and I'm giving you $161. That's an experience that no one can ever take from them, that they got to see God and know him unlike anybody else is gonna know him. And I know that God has created every single life unique because he wants us all to experience him, experience him in our own ways. That every single person who, who dies early loses out like if you take your life in suicide, right? You, you lose out on what God has for you and seeing him that way that no one else will ever see him. If every single aborted human being will lose out on a, something specific, on a specific way that God has ordained them to see him that no one else will ever see. There's a uniqueness in life and God wants us all to experience him in that. And when we get to heaven, it's gonna be us all sharing about how we got to see God. How did you get to see God? How did you get to see God? And we all get to see him in all ways. But there's a uniqueness there that he wants to impart. He is too big for any one person. It's for all of us to see a unique portion of who he is. Our passion should be about finding this. Where is God calling us? Where is God having us experience and see him? Be passionate about that. And this is living in sync with the Holy Spirit. Side by side, step by step. And I understand that this may be... Um, Hard for some of you guys to hear because you're like, this isn't real life. My life experiences don't align with this. I've had too much frustration. Like, I bear, like I'm barely getting by. I'm trying to tread water and water is going in my lungs. And I'm about to just like, if I could just stay alive for another day, it's a miracle in itself. And like, why can't God just snap his fingers and make everything better for me so that I can have that passion? And my answer to that is that God created man and woman, not children. God is, doesn't always, he's not, the kind, he's not the God that's gonna sit there and fix everything for us because he has given us authority and responsibility to fix things in our own lives. He will come and bring miracles. He will come and bring miracles to get our attention, to help us get back on track. He does do these things. He is a God of miracles, and I've seen miracle after miracle, but I've also seen the miracle that falls in line with responsibility and following his words and what he's already told us. How are you guys doing? You guys good? Yeah? All right. I know it's a little heavy, but this is good. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it a little nerdy for you guys. You guys okay with this? All right. I'm, I'm gonna give a, an example through think, something I understand in aerospace engineering on how God works. So in most modern aircraft, even Teslas, a lot of new cars, there are autopilots. You guys know what an autopilot is? Heard of autopilots? Wow, there's not a lot of hands raised. I think, okay, you guys are paying attention now, good. So... In an autopilot, it's designed by this. There's a bunch of sensors on the aircraft that determine where the, the car is or the aircraft is, how it's flying, and it gives feedback into a plant model. Basically, the results of all the sensors go to a single uh, plant model, which is like the description of the vehicle. And then it calculates how it needs to respond to get back on track. But before you ever take an uh, aircraft with autopilot into the sky, you need to test it on the ground. Because if you don't test it on the ground, what can happen? Aircraft will crash. I've seen aircraft nosedive because they forgot to test something. I've seen aircraft shake themselves apart because they forgot to test something. 
And when you go to the ground, you do ground testing, and you will say, hey, let's run through everything in here and see how it responds. And it's not because you want it to fail, not because you're an engineer that's trying to create something that fails, but it's because you want to see and highlight any flaws so that you can bring healing, so you can bring correction to it. This is exactly how our God is. He is not the God of frustration. He is not a God of disappointment. He is not the God of uh, confusion. And I used to hate hearing that because I was disappointed, because I was confused, because I was disappointed. Then I'm like, well, then explain this to me, please. Can someone explain to me why I feel these things when my God is not that kind of God and I know I'm walking it the way he wants me to? He does this to highlight the flaws in our system, to highlight the flaws in our plant model so that we can bring correction to them and respond with the fruit of the Spirit, not respond out of how the sin in our life has made us respond, right? So in aircraft, we apply a filter to the plant model. It's called, one of the ones we do is like an SMI filter, structural modal interaction. You guys don't care. But... (laughs) We apply this filter in in the structure, and that structure all of a sudden now responds in the right way. All of a sudden, this vibration that was caused by the autopilot being off is gone, and everything is smooth. In the same way, God has called us to put filters in our life. He has given us a a powerful filter that I want to share with you that I know is going to unlock the ability to get through disappointment, unlock the ability to go past confusion, to allow passion to resurrect, to allow passion to ignite in your life again. And that filter is something you all already know, and you're probably going to be annoyed at how easy it is. It's gratitude. I know you're like, can I get my money back? I wanted something more (laughs) profound than gratitude. Uh, appreciation is really what I want to put my focus in. Um, I, it's really easy for me to live expectant. Like, I can expect my children to act a certain way. I can expect my investments to go a certain way, my job. And it's easy for me to see an outline and expect that outline to happen. But the problem is, is that's f- so future-looking that I start attaching my own timeline to it, and I start, that's where my frustration will come out of. Like, in, when I turn to appreciation, I start looking at the good around me. And when I look at the good around me, the good qualities of what God has put in my life, I see healing come in. So I'm going to say a couple things, and maybe you guys will relate. I was expecting my children to know better. You guys, can, can you guys relate to that? I was expecting this promotion at work. I was expecting a pay raise. I was expecting for God to show up and me to get that home. I was expecting X, Y, Z. And when it doesn't happen, there's frustration on the other side. And what God has showed me is that frustration is that flaw in our own system. That when we apply this appreciation, everything shifts for us. A couple weeks ago, I was getting really frustrated with my son. He was having so much attitude with his mom. And I'm just like, you will not disrespect your mother in my house. You will not disrespect your grandma in my house. And I would raise it up a level. And then he would get even more attitude. And then I would get more attitude. Then he would get more attitude. So there was, our house had a lot of tension because of this infighting between me and my son. I'm like, I will discipline you until you obey, right? Until you understand. 
on a side note, like when I was little, my parents would always say, like, I don't understand how parents could lock their kids in a closet. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I've had the thought. I get it. I get it. But, but Jesus, but Jesus. <laughs> One day I was, uh, I was praying. I went to God. I was like, I, I need your help. Obviously what I'm doing isn't working. And God's like, you prayed for him. You cried for him. You and your wife pressed in in prayer, believing for a son, believing for daughters, believing for a family. Don't let these lies, this expectation to steal the blessing of the miracle in your life. And, and what I've seen, and I was like, okay, God, so appreciation is the key. I was like, that, that can't work, can it? Seems too easy. I was like, okay, I'll try it. All of a sudden, I started, God, thank you for my son. I thank you that I get the opportunity to raise him in alignment with your word. Next thing I know, my kid, he's acting better than I am. And I'm like, was it really that easy? Was really just needing gratitude and bringing gratitude in my life to see the miraculous? Gratitude is the position of receiving. When you act and operate in appreciation, you're actually able to receive what God has for you. And I have um, a couple points to help you with appreciation. Because you may even be like, I don't even know where to start on appreciating. Like, I am so in over my head with frustration that I don't even know how to start being happy, allowing God into this circumstance. And the first one is very complex, is you must speak it. It's spoken. Pastor Michael is writing a book on Emerge Speak, an audio book. And this, this book on Emerge Speak, right, like his message from a couple weeks ago, it's go back and re-listen to it. There is so much power in saying and speaking out loud. We cannot allow appreciation to just be a thought. We cannot allow it to be a thought because if it's just a thought, it can be stolen from the enemy. If it's just in your mind, it can be stolen and disappear for good. How many of you guys have had incredible thoughts and then like 20 minutes later, like, what was I thinking again? That was so brilliant and I have no clue what it was. But if you would say it out loud, there is power. Because when you say something out loud, it turns a thought into a vibration, a sound wave. And a sound wave is now the motion through a medium, like air through your body, and it goes into your ears. And as it goes into your ears, the sound wave goes into your mind and actually changes the neuroplasticity of your brain so that you actually see how your mind starts seeing and moving and adapting. So now, next thing you know, you, you have appreciation. You may not feel appreciation when you start, but you will definitely feel appreciation at when you end because it's changing your perception of what's going on. These are the building blocks for our life with Christ and seeing God move and living a life of awe. The second point on appreciation to help you guys is action. You have to have action. Appreciation has to cause you, cost you something. In Matthew 21, verse 28, it's, I'm not going to put it on the board, but there's the parable of the two sons. The first son, the farmer went to him and said, hey, I need you to work the vineyard. And he's like, not today, dad. I got other stuff. I'm busy. A little bit later, he says, okay, you know what? I should really go help my dad. Goes out there, works. The second son 
God speak, or the dad speaks to him and says, hey, I need you to go work the vineyard. And he's like, sure, dad, I'd absolutely love to help you out. But then he was lazy and didn't go out. So which son appreciated his dad more? Which son appreciated the farm, the vineyard more of what, the, what it produces? Well, obviously the first son, the one, the one who went, who cost, spent something to work the field. It is true that actions speak louder than words. Your words help your own mind and your own brain, but your actions impact those around you. Your, when you speak, it changes the appreciation of self. And when you act, other people can feel that appreciation because words will go dull and go meaningless after time if the actions aren't there to back it up. Even in James 2.18, when they're speaking on faith, like they say, you can say you have faith, but I will show you my faith with action, right? There has to be an action backing what you're saying. And if there's not, there's a discontinuity. A couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, but quite a few years ago, um, Joy and I were going through this like rough part in our marriage. And it was actually over church. And it was because she felt that a church was more important than family. And, and my, that's what my actions showed. And it was a, something that we were going through. And I was crying out to God. I said, God, I'm building your house. I'm doing what you're asking me to do. What is going on? How come my life is like falling apart? And he's and as clear as the Holy Spirit told me, he was like, go wash your car. Uh, wash your car? Like, that's kind of strange. Wash your car. Okay, I can go wash your car. Got home, scrubbed the outside, started vacuuming it, make sure every crumb is off the floor, making sure this thing was spotless because I was like, I, I can't even talk to her right now. So I'm just going to make this thing as clean as I can get and pray the whole time. And she comes out. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm cleaning your car. And something broke and shifted that day because I didn't know this at the time, but that's how she saw her dad appreciate her mom. That's how she saw her dad love her mom. And when I was able to take action to the words that I had been speaking, it was able to bring this confirmation that, no, he does appreciate me. And our marriage has been on fire, the best it could even imagine ever since. Like, honestly, if you would have told me that marriage was going to be this much fun and this amazing, I wouldn't have believed it because I didn't grow up seeing it. And uh, I have an amazing wife that, thank you, Joy. She is absolutely incredible. Brings so much strength. Appreciation is such a key in life. Appreciation can help overcome disappointments, overcome frustrations, unlocking the passion within. And when you unlock the passion within, you can go after what God is calling you to. You can live that extraordinary life. You can see God move in new ways and you get to know him. It's like even writing this message, I got to see God in a new way. Even when I, when I pray for people time and time again, I get to see God in a new way. And it rises, it's, it's exponential, it's compounding. And you can't help but just give God the glory and magnify him for his goodness. He is an extraordinary God who has called us to live extraordinary lives. And we get to partner with him in that. And now as, we, as we're gonna come into a close, I wanna share a vision 
that he gave me around appreciation, around gratitude. There's the first time we sang Echo Holy. And I was standing here and my eyes were closed. I actually couldn't sing. My hands are up. I was just in the presence and I was brought into like a trance of heaven. And in heaven, I was standing there. It was this amazing football stadium. Like I call it a football stadium, but it was way bigger. Hundreds and thousands of angels and people there. And everything was like whitish gold. And all the angels were on the floor around a small stage. It was like the size of this stage. And they were all face down, like the song says, and no wonder why, right? But like face down. And I'm standing next to him, and Jesus comes, goes like this to me, like, come up here. I'm just like, I can't go up there. That's for you. Like I, need to, like, I need to be outside the stadium. And he's like, come up here. And so I walk up, and I'm standing next to him. And as I'm walking towards him, I can feel the glory from the worship going around me like, a, like water, you know, in a river. When water runs by in a river, how he could just goes around you. And I could feel the warmth going around my legs. I could feel this warmth going around my shoulders and just thinking, I'm not worthy enough to even be up here. Why are you asking me to stand next to you? And Jesus looked at me and I was like, I need to fall. And he's like, don't do it. And I asked him, I was like, why? And he says, because you need to understand how great and the magnificence, the magnitude of my grace. My grace bought so much more than a ticket into heaven. My grace is for all of earth, every life, every minute, every second of your life that you get to partner with me to live this exceptional life in all areas. And even, I shared this last service, but yesterday I was at Costco and I saw a license plate and it says, waiting for the rapture. And it grieved me because you're, you're missing out on what Jesus paid for. Like if, if the goal was just to get to heaven, God wouldn't make life on earth. He would just create us in heaven. But the goal here on, on earth is to bring this correction to our plant model, right? Who we are. To, and then allow that to echo forever. Allow us to see who God is, to experience him here on earth. Because what we experience here on earth will last in eternity. There is reason for life. And it's to experience the grace of Jesus. To give God the glory. And with every head bowed and every eye closed... I want to ask you guys, how many of us want to get to know Jesus or want to live this life where we experience grace fully? Not just, I'm going to get to heaven, which you will. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior does get you to heaven. But there's so much more. There is so much more day in and day out. And if that's you here today, and you want to reaffirm your appreciation, the awe of God in your life, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you guys for raising your hands. Amazing. Amazing. I see you up there. I see you over there. I see you over there raising your hand. This life isn't, supposed, isn't something we're supposed to rush through, but it's something that allows us to experience God in many different ways. I'm gonna give you guys just another minute that if this is you and you say, God, I want to experience you in a new mighty way, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. There is an impartation of fire that's gonna happen in this household today. For everyone, repeat after me. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place. Because of your death, I am free. I am forgiven. I am born again. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I am his child. And from this day forward, I will see you move in miracles in my life. I will take hold of your grace in all areas. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's give everyone a, a round of applause. I am so proud of all you guys who raised your hand. Like this is the beginning of the best days of your life. You get to experience the one who created you, the one who knows you more than anybody else. You get to see him move. You get to hear him. And you get to reaffirm everything that you believe. But this, you'll get to actually see his action and not just his word in your life. Actually, if everyone can stand up. I'm going to have the ministry team come down here into the front right now. And if you're here today and you're believing for that resurrection of passion in your life, if you're believing for this uh, uh, influx of appreciation in your life, come down to the front and get prayer. Don't stay in your seat. If you said a prayer silently and didn't raise your hand, come forward and get someone to agree with your prayer. There is power in making a move, taking a step. It is the action that goes with the words that you spoke. Don't allow yourself to stay in the seat, to stay where you're at. Walk into the miracle. Walk into the best days of your life. God is here, and he wants to meet you on this altar and bring that appreciation, this awe in all areas. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now. <laughs>